turn again in your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 18. Our doctrine of the church, what it is we believe, what it is the scriptures teach, in fact, concerning the church, uh, is rooted in and depends upon our doctrine of Christ, what it is that the scriptures teach, what it is that we believe concerning Jesus Christ. That is true wherever we find the truth of the church addressed in Holy Scripture. And it is true even here in the context of John chapter 10, where our Lord's primary focus is his own mission his own calling as the one mediator between God and men. In this context, he speaks of himself as the door and the shepherd. And he tells us what it means for him to be the door of the sheep and the great shepherd of the sheep. And among the things he tells us is that as the result of his work as the door and as the shepherd, he is the one shepherd over one flock. He is the author of this flock, the owner of this flock and the guardian of this flock. As he goes, as the great shepherd goes, so goes his flock. And as we come to the catechism's teaching concerning the church, this is a connection that we need to keep in mind. That is the necessary connection between what the scriptures teach regarding Christ, our mediator, and his church. Because the reality is that throughout the history of the church, what we see is that misconceptions of the church are the result, more often than not, of a malformed doctrine of Christ. Misunderstandings of the church, her nature, and her mission are really the result of misconceptions regarding Christ and his calling and his mission as the one mediator between God and men. In fact, as the catechism, its summary of the church unfolds, We read here in question 53, what do you believe concerning the holy and Catholic church of Christ? It is evident in the answer that, again, our conception or the scripture's teaching regarding the church is rooted in the scripture's teaching regarding Christ, such that 
errors about the church are errors concerning Christ. The Catechism answers this question. I believe that the Son of God does, from the beginning to the end of the world, gather, defend, and preserve for Himself by His Spirit and Word out of the whole of mankind a company chosen to everlasting life and a green in true faith, and that I am a lively member of that company and so shall remain forever. The church is the fruit of Christ's work. The church is not merely a company of people who come together because they have something external in common, but the church is the gathered assembly of Christ's believing people. And local churches, particular churches like ours, are but visible and particular manifestations of the reality that Jesus Christ has for himself a church from the beginning to the end of the world. A church that he gathers, defends, and preserves for himself. A church chosen, a church redeemed, a church preserved in him and because of him. In fact, he makes the connection between his own person and work and the church clear in our text as he speaks of himself as the door of the sheep, that is the one through whom the sheep enter into the uh, shepherd's house or pen. And as he speaks of himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, it is clear that the sheep are his in virtue of his work, and the sheep are his then Because they are hearers, beneficiaries, those who are united to him. The flock is the flock because of the one shepherd. Now, again, we could illustrate the many ways in which the connection between Christ and his church Uh, is misunderstood and leads to severe misunderstanding, severe malpractice, even in our own day and age. But I believe we are benefited ultimately when we come to see what Jesus teaches us here and what the scriptures teach us throughout concerning Christ's Catholic Church. Three things this afternoon. First of all, and something we've already uh, made mention of in our introduction here. First of all, the church is Christ's. Christ redeems. Christ delivers. Christ calls. Christ gathers. Christ guards. Christ defends. 
Christ preserves his church. Now this church of which we're speaking, and we'll talk more about this momentarily, but this church is every true Christian from the beginning of the world to the end of the world, and every true Christian throughout the world. So every Christian, every believer in Jesus Christ from across the generations and every Christian, every believer in Jesus Christ who across the globe even at present. But all of them belong to this one flock because they are all the objects of Christ's redeeming love, of Christ's redeeming grace, of Christ's effectual call. Notice Jesus begins in this context as he's expanding upon what he's just said about him being the door of the fold of the sheep. He says, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And what this means is that He is the one through whom the sheep enter into the kingdom and are, in fact, saved. And they enter into the kingdom and are saved. They are brought into uh, the fold by hearing his voice. And Jesus expands on this in the later part of John chapter 10. My sheep know me. They hear my voice. They are called to him by him. The sheep don't hear the voice of the thieves and the robbers, but they hear the voice of him who is the door. To the fold. And Jesus mixes the imagery here even as he gets to verse 11. When he talks about him being the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He combines the imagery of the door and the good shepherd to indicate that his mission was to come into this world and to give life Indeed, abundant life, eternal life to his sheep. To call them to himself. Even to redeem them by his own laying down of his life. Jesus is contrary to the shepherd's of the Old Testament who sought their own and who were but hirelings. 
In contrary to false shepherds, false kings, Jesus is the good shepherd, the true shepherd, who gives his life for the sheep and who gives life to his sheep as the door. So Jesus combines the imagery of the door and of the shepherd in order to indicate that he is the one who assembles his sheep and who by his own intercession as the one mediator brings his sheep to himself. He redeems the lost sheep by his mediation. Indeed, everyone that the Father has given to him, every last sheep he redeems and calls. They, as verse 16 indicates, hear his voice. And the language of verse 16 indicates that those who hear his voice are not just Jews, but also Gentiles. But the point of the text is this. That this flock of which Jesus speaks, the sheep of which Jesus speaks, are his. They are his from the beginning of the world to the end of it. They are his across the globe. They are his because he has come for them. He has laid down his life for them. And he has called them, gathered them to himself. The lost sheep is not wandering around looking for Jesus. But the lost sheep is redeemed by Jesus. Delivered by Jesus from out of that lost state. And through Jesus is brought into the context of the flock made one of a number of sheep, all who have the same blessings, all who have the same benefits, because they all have the same shepherd and all entered into his sheepfold by that one way, that one door that is Jesus Christ. He is the way into life with the shepherd And he is the shepherd who gives his life to give life for them. Now again, our Lord's focus here is on his mission and his calling. What it is that he had come into the world to do. But he makes it clear that the fruit of his work a work which he does willingly and powerfully, according to verses 17 and 18, is a work which is effectual to make one flock exist under and because of the one shepherd himself. The church of Jesus Christ consists of all those who from beginning 
to the end of the world, Christ himself has gathered, has defended, and preserved for himself. All those, to put it simply, all those who are saved from out of sin by Jesus Christ are the flock of Jesus Christ. The church is Christ's. It is the fruit of his mission. And in this sense, we must recognize that it isn't foreign for the creed to introduce the church and what the scriptures teach about the church as an article of the faith. It's not foreign. Remember that the creed has been talking about the work of the triune God, not only in creating all things, And preserving all things, but ultimately in redeeming, delivering sinners from out of sin and into the kingdom of God. And the focus has been upon, at some length, Christ's redeeming work. And then in the last question, we've had introduced the person and work of the Spirit in particular. And so the focus has been upon the mission of the Son and the mission of the Spirit, which in reality is the one purpose of God, the one mission of God for the salvation of sinners. And it's not completely foreign to this to introduce this reality of the Holy Catholic Church. One author puts it this way, that this part of the uh, creed, in fact, really the rest of the creed from this point on, contains the effect of all that has gone before. For unless we want to say that in vain the Father sent the Son, in vain the Son suffered and rose again, and in vain the Holy Spirit was promised and sent, We must believe the effect of all these things, namely, that in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Father builds for himself a new people. He freely elected this people in the past, established a gracious covenant with them, and communicates to them himself and all his benefits. Or to put it simply, the flock is the result. The flock, its existence and its nature is the effect of the work of the shepherd, Jesus Christ. And in that sense then, we must acknowledge from the outset That when we think of the church, this, again, this Catholic church, 
And the way in which this Catholic Church takes some particular and local expression in churches like ours, that Christ is the foundation and, in a manner of speaking, the fullness of the church. If we are to suppose for one second that Christ's mediation as the good shepherd, that Christ's voice as the good shepherd is somehow insufficient for us, that we need something more, that we need another head of the church, that we need someone else to step in and give us new revelation from God, that we need something more than Jesus Christ, we have departed from the truth. We have exchanged the good shepherd at that point for a hireling. The very hireling that Jesus speaks of here in John chapter 10. The one who is out for his own good. But who, when the wolf comes, leaves, flees. And who leaves the sheep subject to the wolf. Imposters do not care for the sheep. They care for themselves. But the good shepherd, the one who knows his sheep, and the one who is known to the sheep, in the same way that the father knows the son and the son knows the father, these sheep have this Christ, have this shepherd. They're his You as a member of Christ, or you as a member of Christ's church, belong to him. You, he has laid down his life for you. And he has brought you into his flock through his work. He is the great king of the church from generation to generation. And he is the great king of the church even now, wherever that church takes visible expression throughout the world. Regardless then, regardless then of what particular church, what local church we find ourselves in, Christ is head. Christ is king. Or simply, Christ is enough. His voice is enough. His intercession is enough. I had someone ask me this week about the practice of confession in the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Church. I don't even like giving it the title of Catholic for obvious reasons. And the reality is, there is an instance of setting up someone other than Christ 
someone other than Christ to do what only Christ does. And Christ does it, to say it poorly, so well that what's the point of another? What's the point of another? We don't need a thief. We don't need a hireling. We need Christ. And we have Christ. And we are His. And He is ours. So the church is Christ's. The flock from every tribe, tongue, and nation. The flock from across generations. The flock across the globe even today. This flock has one shepherd. Jesus Christ. So the church is Christ's. Another thing that we ought to notice And this may sound very similar, but there's a particular focus here. And that is, secondly, it is Christ's church. The Catholic church is Christ's church. What is the church? It is this flock of which Jesus speaks here. Those who enter into the fold through the door, through Christ. Those who become a part of that flock through Christ. Those who hear the voice of Christ. Those for whom Christ has laid down His life. Those who know Jesus Christ and who are known by Jesus Christ. But this flock speaks to, or calling it a flock, speaks to something of the nature of this, of the church. Yes, the church has Christ for its head, but the church is, or exists as members of Christ. The flock of Christ. His people. His protectorate. His kingdom. His people taken out of the whole human race, chosen by God before the world began, who are taken out of a state of sin and united to Jesus Christ. They are brought to the shepherd and exist or live in the shepherd. There is no one sheep who has existence as a sheep outside of the flock. Historically, Christians have said there is no salvation outside the church. That's what we mean. There is no sheep that becomes a sheep apart from the flock and apart from being brought into the the flock. 
to think that there is a sheep that is a sheep apart from the flock is to say that there is perhaps um, a human being that's not a part of the human race, but is still a human being. It, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. If you are a sheep, you are a part of the flock. Because Christ has made you a sheep, and Christ has brought you into his flock. If you are Christ's then, if you are united to him in his death and resurrection, then you are a member of his church. Now there are circumstances in which those who are members of Christ's church, this church across the globe, may have difficulty finding a particular church, a local church to be a part of. But a Christian does not have existence as a Christian apart from Christ, nor apart from Christ's church. To belong to the head is to exist alongside of every other member of the head. Or again, to know the good shepherd is to belong to the sheepfold, the flock. And this has implications for the unity even of our local churches. We have one Lord. We hear one voice. We have one shepherd. And so what keeps us from being one flock? Is there... socioeconomic hierarchy in Christ's sheepfold. Is there national or ethnic distinctions in Christ's sheepfold? No. One of the saddest things that that I have seen in recent days is I'm not necessarily sure if it's a rise in the position itself or really a rise in the boldness which some have behind a, a keyboard and the anonymity that the internet provides at times. But there is a rise in a position known as kinism. not sure if you're familiar with this. But there are Christians who are advocating for this position where the argument is that you should only marry someone of your ethnic kin. 
and that this is somehow natural, normal, even preferable. And that the existence of of churches where um, this kind of thing is taught and where churches of certain ethnic identities are maintained, this is a good thing. I think that's hogwash. I think it's, that's the teaching of the devil. Now, there's also the opposite error of, and we see this in our day as well, where in order to be a true church, somehow you have to try and find a way to be multi-ethnic. I think the reality is whatever the Lord brings together in a local church, we should not rend asunder. If the Lord brings together a a church, a, a visible church, a local church like ours, and it's marked by whatever our ethnic backgrounds are, so be it. We have one shepherd and we are one flock. And the reality is Christ's flock across the globe today and across generations is in fact filled with folks from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Jesus himself says so here. That the sheep for whom he lays down his life, the sheep who he knows and who know him, the sheep that enter into the sheepfold through him as the door are sheep that are not only Jews, but also Gentiles. And Jesus says he's compelled to bring them, that they shall hear his voice, and they shall become one flock, one shepherd. The Apostle Paul expands upon this in Ephesians chapter 2, where it is clear that there is one household, one temple of the living God. And if we are Christ's, then we are a part of that church. The point is this, that Jesus brings sinners and makes them saints and joins them to himself and adds them to his church. And as such, each and every one comprises his church. It's his flock. It's his people. It's his bride. It's his beloved We are His. It is Christ's church. So the church is Christ's. That is, it's the effect of Christ's work. It's the fruit of His mission. And in terms of its nature, it is Christ's church. It is His assembly. His flock under His rule and reign. And it consists of everyone who belongs to Him. Everyone for whom He laid down His life. Everyone who He calls to Himself. What distinguishes the church from every other assembly 
or what distinguishes the members of the church from those who are not is the calling of Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. And if you then belong to Christ, you are a member of his church. Thirdly and finally, this church, this flock of which Christ speaks that is his, is holy and Catholic. Holy because he has called them, they've heard his voice. Holy because he has laid down his life for them and cleansed them by his blood. And Catholic, meaning universal. Catholic, because it belongs to Christ. One has written that the church is called holy because by Christ, every member of the church, every sheep of the sheepfold, everyone who belongs to the flock is holy by imputation, that is, by Christ and justification, and holy by inward renewal. There is then, in saying that the church is holy, an acknowledgement that Christ sanctifies his church. That Christ changes those whom he calls to himself. Christ does not leave us where we are when he brings us into his fold. He does not leave us guilty in Adam. He does not leave us corrupt and dwelling in our sin. But in bringing us into his flock, he credits his righteousness to us so that we are no longer guilty before God. And he changes us. He makes us holy even as he is holy. The notion, the notion that you can be a Christian, that you can be a part of Christ's flock and still name yourself by your sin is absurd. Why? Because Christ's bride is holy. Not because Christ's bride makes itself holy, but because Christ makes his bride holy. Christ changes his people. Christ makes his sheep conform to his image, not by force, 
He's not a political dictator who browbeats people into conforming to him. That's what the thief does. That's what the hireling does. But Jesus makes his people like himself by giving his life for them and giving them eternal life. Jesus is changing you if you are a member of Christ. If you belong to him, not only are you justified presently, but you are being sanctified. You are being changed bit by bit into the likeness of Jesus Christ in righteousness and holiness and knowledge. And if people want to call that fundamentalism, if people want to look at that and try to shame you for being bigoted, try to make you feel less because, whoa, you're excluding all of these people from the church, you can say, this is what Christ does. Christ changes. Christ takes those who are not sheep, who are lost, and brings them into the fold, causes them to hear His voice, to follow His ways, to think of reality and life and eternity in the way that He would have us to think of reality and life and eternity. He gives us eternal life. He changes us. He cleanses us. And when we think about that and the holy nature of the church of Christ, we see then something of the beauty of the Catholicity of the church of Jesus Christ. The church, as one has said, is called Catholic or universal. Because in the same way that there is one head of the church, Christ, so also the universal members of the church scattered throughout the world are united into one body through the same spirit. That is, the beauty of the Catholicity of the church is this, that you and I are not alone. Christ brings us to himself and in bringing us to himself brings us into this flock that exists throughout the world and that is a testimony to the fact that he indeed is a gracious shepherd, a good shepherd, a kind shepherd. We see the fruit and effect of our Lord's work. We see the power and the efficacy of Christ's redemption. We see the power and efficacy of the Spirit's work of changing people's hearts when we see the saints throughout the world. When we know that we belong to a body that is scattered throughout the world, but is nevertheless united into one through the one spirit of Jesus Christ. And that as a member of that company of Christ's people, we shall remain so 
forever until Jesus comes again. Certainly there's a lot of implications to this. There's a lot more that could be said. But Jesus has a church. Jesus has a flock. For whom he gave his life. A flock that he calls to himself by his own voice. And a flock to which you and I belong entirely by grace. A flock that is holy, a flock that is universal. A flock that is holy and Catholic because it is the holy and Catholic flock or church of Jesus Christ. Are you a member of this church? Not (laughs) this local church, but are you a member of Christ? That's what Jesus' teaching here presses upon us. Do we belong to this fold? To this flock? Do we have this one shepherd? Or are we giving ourselves over to thieves, thieves, and hirelings? Jesus gives life, and life indeed. Jesus lays down his life, and he lays down his life for the sheep. Look to Christ. May we, even who are sheep belonging to Christ, know that we remain sheep. Know that we remain in need of all that Christ gives to us. And may we know that Jesus does not short shrift his sheep. Jesus doesn't run like the hireling, but Jesus draws near to his sheep. If he has laid down his life for you in order to give you life, what will he withhold from you that you need as his sheep? Let's pray.